one little thing, and I, I didn't cut it off at the very beginning, but my firm is Goodman's. Yeah. Not Goodwin. I'll, I'll redo it. We'll, we'll be talking right. along, and then all of a sudden you'll hear Marlene go, Goodman's. <laughs> <laughs> and people will be like, ah, I know what happened there. Welcome to the Geek and Review the podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal industry. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. So Marlene, you and I sometimes were, I'd say, accidental comedians on this sometimes, podcast. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, we decided to bring on a professional to show us how it's really done. Yeah, since this is our version of Star Search, uh, I'll tell you, I discovered Eugene via a professional gig, a product design sprint for a famous big time information and tech company. Uh, I was contacted by my friend and colleague Zena Applebaum who got me this gig. And disclaimer, this was not a paid gig. I don't have a SAG card. <laughs> anyway, Eugene was also one of the participants in the sprint. And when Zena casually dropped that he had another life as a stand-up comedian, well, I just had to get him on the show. Well, of course we had to get him on the show. Of course so. we did. Oh, yeah, that was that was fun. Well, in addition to our discussion with Eugene, I took a personal privilege this week and asked Michelle Cosby, the current president of the American Association of Law Libraries, to come on and discuss what to expect from the virtual conference that's happening between July 13th and 17th. You know, I really had to tip my hat to Michelle because- Me too. <laughs> this has been a crazy year. And, <laughs> and I hope that members who listen to the podcast are supporting AALL by attending the conference. So I know many of our conference budgets have, were cut this year. So I'm going to throw a challenge out to directors or chiefs out there who have staff who are wanting to attend these online sessions, but the staff themselves can't afford the 99 dollar rate you know find a way to get them registered go find some grants reach into your pocket i did you know show show people that professional development is important even when the budgets are slashed all right enough of that let's get into this week's information inspiration i got two marlene but one's really quick so when you sign off of a zoom or a, or a webex do you, do you wave goodbye I do. <laughs> well, I do. You're not alone. <laughs> so uh, Kaya Yerlef from a CNN business interviewed a number of experts and asked why it is that we do that. And not surprisingly, it's because we miss our human connections when we're connecting with our fellow coworkers and peers on these video conferences. In a way, it makes that act of uh, clicking on the X button to close out the window a little less awkward. So, you know, don't think you look weird by waving goodbye. You'll, you'll find you're not alone. I look weird in other ways, but yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, I do it because most of the time I'm on mute and then oftentimes you don't have time to turn it back and, you know, everyone's like, bye. And so you just, you, you wave because yep. at least you're kind of acknowledging to people that, that you're like, yep, I heard you and see you next time. Well, one of my inspirations has to do with surprise fashion. <laughs> so from you, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, crazy. So as you know, masks are a bit of a necessity now. So right. of course, it didn't take long for the reviews of most of the favorites to come out. Now, Wired put out a review. So, you know, best overall, best lightweight, best with extras, most comfortable. I have several now. I have some two-ply ones. I have a respirator one. I have a 3D one that <laughs> takes into account for your nose and balaclavas. 
you know, because it's like shoes, right? I mean, you need a different one for different events, depending on what you're doing. You know, if you're, you're riding your bike versus going to the, the supermarket, you're, you're not going to be wearing the same thing. So, so if you're in a market for masks, check out the wired reviews and, Oh, Oh, just as an aside, uh, I heard on make me smart that now, you know, masks are truly becoming a fashion item. And as a result, women are really upping up the game with eye makeup, which is terrible for me because I'm not so good with the eye makeup, <laughs> but, but I will tell you the fake lashes game is real people. Yes, it is. All right. So here's one that's a, a little more serious. Um, you know, we all are leading teams during this crisis or, or at least on a team. So while you may think that many of us are experts at leading a team by remotely leading a team by now, you'd be mistaken. <laughs> so mm. Kevin Costanza from Seed IP Law Group in Seattle and Mark Evans from Smart and Bigger in Toronto give some tips to think about in how to successfully lead a remote team. And Marlene, guess what the big problem is? Just guess I what know, the I, problem I, is. <laughs> what are all know, problems? Um, I, I am I am gonna let you I'm gonna let you take the I'm gonna all let right. you take it because I know what it is, but this is your inspiration. So all you right. take the the big problem is communication. So what? I know, there we go. I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, you know, but just checking in with your team is not enough. You have to be able to organize that communication in a way that works for the team. And that also means communications need to be delegated so the right people are engaging. So if you're on a call with your team and you're the only one talking, that's not communication. So in addition to communication, we need to make sure that our teams have the right tools and support for those tools. And finally, we need to be able to uh, act quickly to the needs of our teams, but also have a clear plan long range on where we're going as a unit. So working from home as a team is tough, but Costanza and Evan say that, you know, quote, firm leaders need to be prepared, engaged, transparent, empathetic, and supportive. Done well, leadership under such times can actually result in increased trust, respect, and loyalty across the firm, unquote. Well, you know, you made me feel bad because now you've done a serious one and I have yet another lighthearted well, inspiration. Well, bring, bring, bring us back up. Bring us back up. <laughs> bring us back up. Okay. So in, in theme for today, I have a celebrity app to discuss. Greg, you know I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and, well. <laughs> he's like, I'm not touching I, that. <laughs> I am not saying a word. <laughs> well, listeners, he knows I love to eat and to cook. So the Food Network has an app that has been dubbed the Peloton of food. You not only get the recipes like you, you do when you do like an online search, you can interact with the chefs as they work through a recipe. Hmm. So it's like, Hey, Bobby, how long do you keep that steak on the grill to get that perfect medium? And Ina, you know, what if I substitute dried onions for fresh in that meatloaf? And Ina does a great meatloaf, by the way. And, and they have, and this is what I'm really excited about. They have live knife skills sessions. Huh. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's supposed to make you safer in the kitchen. So, okay. Okay. Um, but this sort of star interaction costs money. It's about $40 a year. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the knife skills class alone might be worth that, yeah. you know, but here's the downside, not so much chefs of color participation. Mm -hmm. And apparently food network is working on this, but 
I just find this surprising. I mean, as, as a watcher of Food Network that, you know, it didn't address this coming you know, right out of the gate. I mean, they have hosts and chefs of color on, on the networking program. So I'm not sure why they didn't, you know, include them in the app right away, but I am glad that they are making adjustments. And that wraps up this week's Information Inspirations. But Marlene, this year's AAAL theme for its conference is Unmasking Your Potential. Now, this was meant to be a tip of the hat to the city of New Orleans, (laughs) but with the pandemic, uh, you know, the need to wear masks just to keep us safe, you know, it's it's become a symbol of hope for the future. And as we climb out of this uh, crisis, I, I hope we finally do get to unmask. So I asked Michelle Cosby to come on and talk with me about the upcoming annual conference and what the attendees should expect from the new and unique educational experience. Michelle Cosby, president of AAAL and the director of Temple University School of Law Library. I've asked you to come on to uh, the show to discuss the upcoming virtual annual conference for AAAL. So, Michelle, I know this uh, year has been uh, one challenge after another for you, and I'm glad to see that you seem to be holding up okay. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this annual meeting. Um, We had the theme of unmasking our potential, which when I envisioned it, I had no idea what it would mean for 2020 post-coronavirus. But we moved this conference virtually and we were able to offer it at a very low cost. It is $99 for AAAL members and $149 for non-members. All right. So how's the preparation gone so far for this? It's been very interesting. AMPC has had to do a lot more work than they originally thought. Um, Originally with AMPC, we would meet in October, select all of our programming, and then just have coordinators from there. So basically, we had to redo the AMPC process. We had to reach out to our coordinators and speakers to see who would be interested and doing live recorded sessions and who would want to do pre-recorded sessions. So it's been a lot of work, but we've got some really great programming. So tell me a little bit about the conference. What, what should an attendee expect? So uh, the conference will happen during the week of July 13th through 17th. So an attendee on the first day, we will have our partner solutions day. So this is our virtual exhibit hall where all registrants can explore products, talk with vendors, so they're still able to get that experience and get any new products if they need them for their firms or libraries. All right. And Tuesday, I know you've got the keynote speaker, Jim Quick. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what what we should expect from him? Yes, I have been a fan of Jim Quick for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a popular podcast called Quick Brain with Jim Quick. He's a learning expert, and he's also just recently released his new bestseller book, Limitless. So when Jim speaks to us, he will get, be giving us an overview of the Limitless technique. And then I'll have a Q&A session with him to find out more about his learning tips. And then we'll open it up for members to ask Jim questions. So the conference itself, there's going to be three days of live sessions, and that's going to be uh, July 14th, 15th, and 16th. With the live sessions, what should the attendees expect? Right. So during that time, we'll have over 20 live educational sessions on cutting edge topics and trends for the legal information industry. 
Uh, the sessions will be running concurrently, so you will have a variety of sessions to choose from, and each session will be about an hour long, so we're able to offer multiple sessions per day for registrants. So in addition to the live sessions, I know there's some pre-recorded sessions that's going to be uh, released the following week. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the week after, we will be releasing about 25 additional pre-recorded sessions that all registrants will have access to. Um, we do know that people's time is valuable, so they can continue to spread out their learning experience over multiple weeks and watch sessions as it fits best with their schedule. So uh, I know we all have great intentions to sit down and watch the live sessions, but uh, sometimes uh, work gets in the way. So if I have to miss a live session, can I catch it after? Yeah, absolutely. All attendees will have the ability to go back and watch any of the live stream sessions at a later time. And they can also then also watch those pre-recorded sessions as well. So I know the conference wraps up uh, on Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern with the general business meeting and the members open forum, um, which is typical for even a live session. Uh, so what's covered in these meetings and is it just limited to the attendees of the conference or can any of the members attend? Well, the one great thing about having this virtually is that we are really able to open up the members meeting to every member. So you do not have to be registered for the conference to attend the meeting, which will be, as you said, on July 17th at 1 Eastern, 12 Central. We will have um, a regular meeting, which will go over the finances. We will go over um, highlights for the year. Um, we will have a passing of a gavel where I will give the gavel to Emily Florio, who is president-elect. and. We will also learn about the 2021 conference in Cleveland. Well, I, I hope we all actually get to go live to Cleveland next year. <laughs> well, I know it's been a challenging year uh, for you, Michelle. Uh, as, as a member of AAAL and as a, a former president, I appreciate uh, what you've done uh, this year. So thanks for coming on and talking about the conference. Thanks, Greg. Today we welcome Eugene Ciparone, the Director of Professional Support at Goodman's LLP. In addition to his day job, Eugene is a stand-up comic and a former troupe member of the Second City Improv in Toronto. Eugene, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Eugene, when I first met you, we were part of a product advisory team and, and I remember distinctly that you had long curly hair and a, and a full beard. And then I looked at your Goodman's picture to prep for the show and I barely recognized you. I thought, who's this fresh faced man and what did he do with <laughs> Eugene? <laughs> uh, that's actually my more typical corporate look uh, back when we had things called barbershops. Uh -huh. The long curly hair and the beard are something I, I tend to do more in the wintertime, but uh, I'm finding that everything everything 1970s is back. So <laughs> I, I sort of have this Joni and Chachi hair, a little more Joni in the morning and a little more Chachi with a lot of product. Um, not doing the beard so much anymore because it's coming in uh, far too white for my liking. <laughs> well, uh, not that somewhat, there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. Not at all, Greg. And, and well, I mean, as someone who, who grew up in the North, I totally understand the longer hair in the wintertime. So I, I am right with you on that. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into your current role? So going back to the beginning, I'm a, I'm a 1992 University of Toronto law grad, and I articled and had my first career as an M&A lawyer at a large Canadian firm called Osler's. 
Uh, I was at Osler's for five years in their Toronto office, and then I was lucky enough to be transferred to their small New York office in the late 90s, uh, which was a really fun time. I ended up moving back to Toronto just a few months before 9-11, and it didn't take me long to realize that I'd really like the small New York office over the really large Toronto office, and I decided to leave the practice of law entirely, which I did in 2002. Didn't quite know what I was going to do then, but I ended up doing a lot of traveling and I started doing uh, improv and sketch and stand-up comedy at Second City. I did that for about three years and then when it was time to dust off the law degree, I ended up in my current role uh, first as the Knowledge Management Director at Goodman's. Uh, I started Halloween of 2005 and since then I also manage uh, the firm's risk management and legal technology and innovation programs. Well, I think it was definitely a treat and not a trick. <laughs> I always say it was the scary day right, that I started at. <laughs> well, I, I started a job once on April 1st. And uh, that, <laughs> that's another. And good they said, question. no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it worked out about as well as you thought it would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with the KM space right now? And, and especially with everything that, that's happening around the pandemic? Well, I found it was interesting when this first started because it was almost like KM 101 because we started off immediately, lawyers wanted precedence. They wanted to know what was changing in the law. We were suddenly uh, having to track all the executive orders that were coming down from, from the levels of government. Employment rules were being changed. How you sign things were being changed. The, the, the governments were coming forward with uh, tax changes and support for businesses that were being shut down. And so the first thing I did was essentially create a COVID-19 legal database where we kept all of this information. And I had, I had lawyers flipping me things that they came across, or we would answer things that, uh, uh, answer questions that lawyers had, and then we would save that material so that we were basically building up these resources. And they covered everything from, you know, employment, um, landlord-tenant, business continuity. Uh, there was stuff on the litigation side in terms of, you know, what do we do now with the courts as they're, as they're shut down or as they're trying to reopen digitally? And we just kept building and building this database, working with the with the library and, and some of our practice heads. We found that a lot of people are, are coming and saying, you know, they have a real renewed interest in like the platform and like, what are all the resources and how do I access this? And I forgot my password. I mean, are you seeing that as well? We, I mean, we had that initially as, as well. Be, because of the work I do on the legal tech side, we had some low tech lawyers that were suddenly working from home and they hadn't ever marked up a document without a pen before. And so that was the other component that was really brutal in the first sort of six weeks, getting the KM database for COVID-19 up and running and robust, and then also getting the skill set of some of the more low tech uh, lawyers or their staff, uh, legal assistants, et cetera, so that they could function in an environment where we're, our culture is very people-centered. We're, we're one office. So a lot of it, we have very high interpersonal knowledge management. And so we're used to just dropping by, you know, the person around the corner um, and being handed a document or, or chatting about how they, how, how they dealt with something similar. And suddenly we're all isolated, which is the exact opposite of our culture. Mm. So, so dealing with the legal technology side and getting everybody up to speed on the new normal 
um, was a big part of what I was doing in the in the um, early weeks of this. And I got to give my troops credit because they really did rise to the occasion, both on the mastering the COVID and changes to the law that were coming down the pipe, and then ma- mastering the um, technologies that we needed to suddenly use and rely on. Yeah, I found that most of the people I've talked to, especially on the KM side, that uh, you know this is a a twelve year overnight success of <laughs> spending the last twelve years preparing and begging attorneys to you know, adopt some of these tools, and then it taking a worldwide pandemic to finally uh, getting them to move. But you know, the the nice thing about that was hopefully you were ready, right? <laughs> it, you know, it, we I think. There's not a lot of tools that I was piloting or looking at that we don't have that I wish we had right now, because there's that aspect of it too, which is with everyone cautious about uh, clients and revenue and and so on, there's a big pressure to kind of not spend if you you can avoid it. But I do think that things like, you know, it wasn't long ago that I was being questioned about cloud-based platforms. And now it's (laughs) like that that argument is so over. And and the other thing that, that has happened is, we used to fight with the government or, or lobby the government to try to make these changes to digitize some of their systems. And they literally did it overnight. Like all the things that we've kind of been wanting, whether it was you know, virtual meetings, e-filings at the courts, um, allowing for you know, DocuSign type signatures instead of requiring wet signatures, like just little things like that. They literally just passed um, an order and, and made all of this stuff fine. And then some of it they've made permanent, like they've actually brought down uh, outside of executive orders, which are meant to be temporary with the emergency. They've actually made, brought forward legislation to make uh, many of these changes permanent. So I think in the same way that the government's not going to go back to the way that you know things were done in the courts or, or on a regulatory basis, our lawyers aren't going back. You're not going to unlearn how to mark up a document you know, electronically. Uh, you're not going to unlearn how to sign things uh, without your pen that kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a stylus now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing to me when you're talking about this again how because of necessity all of these hurdles that were just seemed insurmountable it's like no we can't possibly do that suddenly are are now so easy to do. Everyone's like, of course we should do this. Um, and I, I wish I had the, the, the argument about cloud was over for me. It's not quite over, but we've made great strides. Mm-hmm. So when you're hearing all of these changes, you know, we're not going to go back to the way we were doing things. How is the industry handling, you know, operational roles and attorney roles in, in the wake of this innovation wave and in the wake of, of the pandemic? So I think from the legal side, not much has really changed in terms of the practice areas or the clients or, or their needs, because I think with the government programs, they've tried to just keep everything kind of the same so that the government support for businesses, small and large, and for uh, employees that might be laid off temporarily, everybody's just sort of kept afloat. Um, while this passes. Now, it it looks like it's not going to pass so quickly, and we've just started in the reopening phase. But if you're asking about, you know, are we seeing like a massive spike in bankruptcies versus M&A, not yet. And and there may be um, a time when different practice areas become more involved. I can think of for sure on the bankruptcy side. I can think on the landlord-tenant side. 
We also have a very small employment law group, and I don't think they ever expected that they'd ever be the center of the universe at our firm as quickly as they suddenly had to. They've been amazing. And we, we have a few that are in the corporate side, and they, they usually support our, our transactional practice doing due diligence and, and employment agreements and so on. And then we have a few that are on the uh, litigation side that do um, the wrongful dismissals and stuff like that. But they have been unbelievable because it's one of the areas that has been changing so fast. We've gone from the, how do we, you know, how do our clients like lay off people? How do we access these government support mechanisms? And now we're all ready to, how do we get them back into the office in a safe way? And, and, and what are the employer's obligations um, for maintaining a, you know, a safe work environment? So, so far, I find that the, the workload has been very steady in all of our practice areas as it's been. And I think we still have months to go before we see whether or not the legal work really does shift and we have to start, sort of push some resources into um, certain areas over others. On the support staff side, the you know finance, marketing, technology, knowledge management, um, our, our, our CPD and education training programs, every, everything's very constant there. We're all busy. We're working from home, supporting the lawyers as best we can. Um, legal assistance, there's been a difference. As I mentioned earlier, with, with some lawyers suddenly using technology tools, they're not using their legal assistance necessarily in the same way. So we're, we're getting the legal assistance up to speed on different ways that they can support their lawyers. I'm finding more of them. I'm opening up accounts in some of our technology platforms so that they can do the administrative work that maybe a junior lawyer might have done, uploading documents in a, in a transaction management tool or something like that. How well are they adapting to that? Pretty well. I mean, you know, so much of this depends on your personal circumstances. Are you you know, are you living alone and focusing on work? Are you uh, looking after three kids? It really does depend. And that and that's across the board. I, I've got lawyers that I get a flurry of emails from them at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I know they've logged in after putting the kids to bed. And, and there's others that I'm getting emails like such a ridiculously early hour in the morning. And I know that, okay, that's their part of the day when they can work. And then I won't hear from them um, for a few hours as they're, you know, doing whatever those chores are that they have to do. So I do, I do think it depends on the, the living circumstances. And then there's a generational side to it. There are some people that are still working the way that they essentially have, um, maybe with a few new tech tools, uh, but still engaging their legal assistants. And then there's junior lawyers that weren't really engaging legal assistants in the office because they're so tech savvy and and doing most everything themselves and that hasn't changed so i like to think of this next period and it's probably not going to start till after labor day but uh, we're, we're starting to call it the next normal as opposed to the you new. know the new normal yeah because we're going to have a situation where some of us are in the office and some of us aren't and we're a city more you know more like a new york which has a very well used commuter train and transit system and that's a lot of people's big fear about whether or not just wearing a mask is even going to be sufficient so um, we're going to have some people going in i can walk to work so i've got it really easy other people can drive and and there's underground parking in the in the downtown office towers but that comes with a price and we'll just have to see how people adapt and what their choices are i, I don't imagine we're going to do anything other than voluntary 
in the in the short to medium term. But what 2021 looks like, I've got no idea. How are you addressing things like uh, culture at the firm? Because as we get into this hybrid work model, the culture kind of, I think, brews itself by having people around each other. And how do you think that's going to go as we as we move on? We pride ourselves on having one of the more unique cultures in uh, the Canadian legal marketplace. We are lucky to have one office and we're a tight bunch um, and we're a fun bunch. And like the, the example I like to give is when we first moved into our current office tower uh, 10 years ago, the internal staircase was not completed. And so for the first six or seven months, we lost touch with each other because people weren't taking the elevator one floor. <laughs> and so what we do is every year, and it, I think it's coming up, it's in, it's in early mid-July, it's just before my birthday. We have a party and we celebrate the birthday of our stairs. Um, <laughs> and, and we're all up and down the stairs, the whole firm gathers and there's, you know, our, our uh, different people give speeches and, and there's, you know, ice cream or a glass of champagne or whatever. But it's the kind of thing that we do to remind ourselves that we like each other. We like working with each other and we're an environment where, where people get along. The other example I, I give is the summer students. Our summer student program is really all about the culture. You know, it's not that they're not doing any legal work, but it's much more important historically was the bonding, the getting together with the practice groups. We have a strong mentoring program, uh, a lot of shadowing. Um, uh, so they're, so they're following litigators to court or they're, or they're going to, uh, corporate negotiations or transaction closings, whatever. And this is the first year where all of our summer students, and we didn't change their start time or anything, um, but they're all working from home and some of them aren't even in Toronto. They're living with their families, you know, in, in other parts of Ontario or Canada even. And so that has been a real challenge for our directors, our co-directors of our student and associates program, keeping them engaged. And I, I, I used to be one of the, you know, the go-to people for the students. You know, whenever they needed a, a, some lawyer's instructions reinterpreted um, or if they had, you know, there are no stupid questions, but, you know, they'll, they'll ask some questions. Uh, they want to come in the, and close the door and just have a little freak out. That, that's what I'm here for. And I'm not engaged with them. I'm going to try to host, because I, I used to take them to Second City uh, as my sort of comedy event that I do with the summer students every summer. This will be the first year I don't get to do it. So instead, I'm going to be hosting a Zoom cocktail party. And I'm going to be uh, partly interviewing them and finding funny things to talk about on their resumes. And also, I think I'm going to be a prop comic for the first time. I'm going to show them funny things I found when I've been like cleaning out drawers and, <laughs> and cupboards and stuff and, you know, trying to trying to integrate with them and have a memorable funny, COVID fines. Funny, COVID <laughs> fines. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I just I feel like that's part of my role and I don't want to like not be that guy. And I send them, you know, little messages and, and they certainly email me, but it's it's not the same. Yep. As as that social cultural um, get together, which we're which we're so proud of in our firm of maintaining. Have you heard anything in terms of uh, how do we figure out like what people are doing and how are they keeping busy all day long when they're when they're not 
you know, sitting at the, sitting at their desks. <laughs> On a podcast, for example. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, they're not just sitting at their desk all day? That's what I thought my people were doing. <laughs> I mean, I think I think our our section heads they have regularly scheduled uh, uh, group meetings, and it usually it, it it rarely doesn't include the entire section. So that would be uh, legal assistance and support staff. Um, so I think there's a lot of open talk about who's busy. I think that we've tried to stress to people not to just sit back and wait for things, but to try to be proactive. That includes uh, junior lawyers as well as legal assistants and support staff. And if there's anything. Uh, if, they, if they do feel that they have time, uh, if they want to repurpose themselves, if they want to like learn a new system and back someone up, we're kind of hitting a point where almost nobody's taken any holidays. And so we're now trying to organize the fact that we need to use up our holiday time before the end of the year. We can't all take it, you know, in December. Um, so we're trying to start to figure out who's going to back up who and what skills do they need to learn in order to be uh, an effective backup. So those are the kinds of things that we're doing to kind of just keep an eye on people. I, it's easier for extroverts uh, than it is for introverts. And I think we have to keep an eye on and think about who our you know, introverts are, who we may need to, those of us that are the extroverts have to kind of reach out and just keep, you know, keep tabs on. Our management sends out a weekly email just setting out you know, what's going on in the province. Uh, or in the city, reminding them about, you know, certain activities that the firm still has going on. We also, you know, remind them about certain work from home issues, because I'll, I'll put on my risk management hat now, you know, things like we still need to shred and secure client documents and beware of phishing scams and all the usual stuff. We just like to um, send out those reminders and it just keeps people um, engaged. And, and I think that's I think that's important. But the, the leadership in our firm is, is is really striving to to keep that um, connection um, going. The chair of our firm um, he sends out um, every Friday um, um, a video of some kind. There, you know, there was a Mother's Day one. There was a Father's Day one. There was we act for um, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and he's on the board. And and so the Raptors winning the the NBA last year was a really big deal. And, uh, and so he sent out a, you know, an anniversary video of, of those celebrations as they were happening both in the city and, and in our firm. And uh, so it's, it's that kind of thing that we're, that we're, that we're always, we have, a, we have a very creative marketing department that helps with these kinds of ideas and events. I mean, they, they came up with the birthday party for the stairs. So, and we're still <laughs> celebrating it. Like it, it'll be virtual, but we're still going to be doing something. Well, you know, one of the good things is the Raptors that now will be reigning champs for two years. That's how we're looking at it. That's how we're looking at it. I wanted to just touch on something that you mentioned, like uh, that people are sort of learning new skills and, and that, you know, it seems to be a really good time to do that, to, you know, sort of bone up on your your education in, in different areas. Yeah, and, and, and I think, we, you know, our HR department is, uh, they have some very deep programs for legal assistance and support staff in the best of times when we were all in the office. And they've just, they've made a lot of tweaks to them so that the programs are, are focused on the new work from home environment and helping people um, through that. 
the, the lawyers in Ontario have a, a minimum uh, continuing uh, professional development um, obligations. And we basically have the same thing for our support staff. So, so they have to do their 12 hours and it's broken down into, you know, technical skills, wellness. Uh, there's a, a bunch of different categories and, and they've just made tweaks on that instead of, you know, holding those in our training room or in a boardroom at the office, we're just doing them uh, virtually, but they're focused on, on more of the things that are, are, that are specific to the work from home environment. Well, Eugene, you, you've mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you did stand up for a while and, you know, we also learned that through some of our research connections. So, you know, we have to ask about that because <laughs> that, that is so interesting to those of us who, who don't do this. So, how is your your role in law similar and different than stand up and 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 what joy does stand up give you well i do, there's two there's two sides to the comedy so there's the improv side which i think just helps you deal with any situation it just helps you in any different group of people sort of work the room you can kind of put on you know this face or that face uh, depending on the circumstances from the stand up perspective I do like to bring the jokes to the table when I'm doing training and when I'm doing any kind of firm events, when I'm emceeing anything. I also love to train via anecdotes and the anecdotes are usually very funny ones. And so if I can, you know, say, this is the way we used to do things and isn't that ridiculous? And then they're all nodding their heads. It's much <laughs> easier to get them to do something in a new way. And just think, um, 20 years from now, we'll be saying the same thing about we'll you. We'll be saying the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly right. And, and so I, I, I do like to bring the humor and the good-naturedness to it. Change is hard. And, and, I, and I think it, it's, it's easier for some people, but it's really hard for a lot of people. Uh, and so from a change management perspective, you know, the secret of my success is make it fun, make it funny. You know, don't embarrass somebody or shame them for the way they used to do things. Um, but make light of it and just say, you know, this is how much better it's going to be when we all start doing it this way. That's where the comedy background I, ha has been helpful to me. It's also helped people tell me that they remember. Um, they'll, they'll remember the anecdote or they'll, they'll remember the joke. When people they remember stories. People they remember, remember stories. Yeah, they remember that stuff. Exactly yeah. right. I, I like to talk about we, we're a big user of closing folders which is a Toronto-based uh, transaction management plas platform, which is now into the U.S. and, and, and the U.K. Yep. <laughs> and one of the, the ways I talk about it is I say, a long, long time ago, like two years ago, this is how we did, you know, closings. And I talk about, like, all the paper on the boardroom table, and, and then the associate would have to go with the little um, staple remover, and then we'd be slip-sheeting pages till 2 in the morning. Um, my, my very first time blacklining was... Um, me with a ruler and a pen while the other articling student was reading the document. I mean, that's how old I am. Uh, this is going back to like 93, 94, you know, the early days of the early days of blacklining. And they, and the young lawyers just look at me like I'm crazy and they can't believe that anybody would do things that way. But they remember, they remember the training and they remember that they should be grateful that they have the tools that they have today and don't have to do things the way we used to do them. They're terrific within closing folders because I think every time they do something and it's effortless and automated and they think about what I must have been doing 
um, back in the day when it was all about paper and walking your client around and making sure they signed everything properly and then having it all be slip sheeted because changes were made at the 11th hour and, and they remember those anecdotes. Yeah. They have no idea what it means to be, uh, to get a bite from a binder. From the paper cuts. That's right. No, it's, it's, it's funny. I've never had like formal improv type of training, but, but I do remember like one thing from something that was in, informal was that you don't like shut down the conversation. Like someone says something and the idea is you're, you're supposed to be like, and not, not yes like shut, not shutting down the story. Yes. And, and what yes was it? Yeah. And those are yes the magic and. words in improv. Yep. Yes. And yes. And the, and the other thing is you don't reply with questions. Those are the two cardinal rules. Yes. And, and you don't respond to somebody with a question. You, you, you make another statement and then you just keep moving the story and the situation along. I feel we, we, this should be a team building exercise, really. <laughs> I really do. Second City in <laughs> Toronto has a corporate side and they do corporate events and they're fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you have a, a Second City in, in, uh, in Houston. I think the closest one might be Las Vegas, but um, they do do corporate events or there's other, I'm sure there's other improv organizations and they're really fun because um, you get lawyers, you know, especially lawyers doing these things and they have to let their guard down and they have to, you know, not be themselves for a few moments and it can be pretty funny. Well, Eugene, uh, this has been fun talking with you. So thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Super fun. It's been a pleasure to meet you both. Yeah. I hope we keep in touch. We will be in touch. Well, Marley and that was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for uh, getting Eugene on the show. You know, I, I have to say that I wouldn't have ever imagined that we'd land a former member of Second City Comedy Troupe on the podcast, but but I'm glad you and Eugene found each other through your KM uh, connections. Yeah, I got to say, serendipity sometimes works really well, and this this was one of them. Uh, I I really enjoyed listening to Eugene's insights and. Goodman's. <laughs> yes. And I also thought that the uh, storytelling thing that you guys kind of hit on during the, the conversation was right. You don't have to be a comedian, but I think you do have to be able to share some stories, create kind of a, a storytelling around, especially around your training. So um, good, good insights. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, you know, you just, you just have to relax about it. I mean, you tell stories all the time in, in your life. And it doesn't have to be something formal. Just sort of think about how you talk naturally with your friends and family and you're telling them something and, you know, start with that. Yes. And I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And before we go, we want to remind <laughs> listeners to take the time to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review us as well. If you have comments about today's show or suggestions for a future show, you can reach us on Twitter at at GayBauerM or at Glambert, or you can call the Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7270 or email us at geekandreviewpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSicca. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Mask up. <laughs>